0: I'd say the freedom, just the excitement and the random encounters that you find with people, things and trees and bugs <laughs> and ants or snakes, you know, everything It's just, you know, it's, it's very, it's very unique. And just feeling the wind, you know, through your hair, which I know I should be wearing a helmet, but sometimes I don't. It's just everything. It's everything but nothing at the same time,
1: the simplicity. I enjoy that. Hey, what's up? This is Kat. Welcome to the Joyride. Hey, what's up, joyriders? This is Kat, and you're listening to episode number 29 of the Joyride podcast, where we celebrate women on bikes. This episode, I'm really excited. This is really special for me. Um, As I am recording this, and we're going to release it tomorrow or as soon as I'm done and hit send on this, um, it's Father's Day weekend here in the States. And I actually lost my dad in 2010. Um, He passed away from pancreatic cancer. And um, I miss him a whole bunch. I miss him a lot. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about this over the weekend, this past weekend, because I did the shakedown ride for our women bike, bike camping weekend, solstice weekend that we're doing next week. And I'm super excited about that. We're, you know, gearing up for that, but I did this shakedown ride and, um, I went alone and it was really great. And I almost bailed and didn't go because we had crazy thunderstorms in the forecast, but... I um, decided to just go ahead and do it because there have been too many times that I've been burned by a forecast that sort of never materialized and I made choices not to go on rides because of that. So I went and um, it rained while I was on the train and then it rained while I was at a Starbucks, but mostly it didn't rain during this trip and I was so excited about that. Um, during this, like, weekend overnight thing that I did for the shakedown ride. But I was thinking about it because most of the gear that I have, meaning my bike rack, my two panniers, and my tent, um, I actually purchased with money that I got when I sold some of his shop tools. My dad was – he was a computer guy, but in his later years, um, he took up woodworking and carpentry. So he had these, like, massive shop tools and – I sold them to a family friend, and with some of the, um, with some of the funds from that, I got basically my first stuff for my first bike tour, my first bike overnight or whatever, um, my midway to Cape May ride that I did in 2011, and I will put some pictures of that in the show notes. Um, I talked about that with Tim Mooney from Pedal Shift. So in this way, um, I. I'm still really supported uh, by my dad. And um, it's pretty special once I realized that I had this moment where I was like, wow, all of my stuff is really held by him. And my shelter right now is in a way provided by him. And it was really sweet. The other thing is that when I first moved back to New Jersey after living in upstate New York, um, I refound the bike really out of necessity i talk about this a little bit with with the guys from the sprocket podcast but i was just in a not great place and um in a lot of ways the bike was i think saved my life was probably instrumental in my what i feel like is now thriving um and, and starting me in that trajectory and during that time i was i was taking care of i was taking care of my dad uh, this was when he was ill and before he passed away and this is when i remember it was the summer and the tour de france was on and lance armstrong was making his comeback and it was very um emotional and like really heroic and inspiring and that was when i started pushing you know longer and longer loops you know 12 miles 14 miles that sort of thing and I don't remember what how it came up with my dad, but I remember... I think we were talking about the DNR Canal, the De- Delaware and Raritan Canal Trail that's in New Jersey. Um, and he told me that he was on that once. And he told me about this trip that he took. He went on a bike overnight once when he was a Boy Scout. And they went up the DNR Canal and they camped at a campground and then they came back the next day. And... Um, I don't think I'd been on an overnight yet at that point because this was before he passed. Obviously he's telling me the story but I found this photo later um, years years later as I was sort of like going through stuff and cleaning out that house to move out here to Portland and I've got this great photo of this Boy Scout troop all ready for their bike overnights and in the back is my dad with this sort of goofy hat on and he's just adorable and I am so my father's daughter, especially after I've always looked like him. Um, I have, you know, everybody sort of says that, but definitely after I cut my hair, I look, I see my father in the mirror all the time. So, Um, so it was just that sort of like popped into my mind this weekend and I've just been thinking about him a lot. And so, you know, one of the things that I do is I like to ask folks who I should chat with and Jasmine Reese recommended uh, this woman, that our guest today, Jocelyn Rice. And Jocelyn has a really cool story because she and her father have toured around the world. Um, if you check out their website, fatherdaughtercyclingadventures.com, you will learn all about their magnificent world tours. Um, 28,000 miles, 37 countries, 33 months. And, you know, I just thought to myself... That is the coolest thing. Um, what an amazing experience to have been able to get that opportunity um, to go on a ride like that with your dad or with any, I mean, I guess really with any loved one, but you know, this, this spoke to me for reasons that I guess you can probably understand. Um, you know, it's something I would have loved to have done. The other thing that's super cool is that Jocelyn's dad um, I know they, they are from, they live down in Cape Canaveral, Florida. Um, there's definitely some like NASA Space Center <laughs> engineering smarty pants stuff going on with their dad. I don't know exactly the details, but um, that's very much like in line with with my dad's story also. He worked as a consultant at one point. Um, and there's a component he worked on that's on the lunar rover that's on the moon right now so like my dad worked on something that's like sitting on the moon right now which is so, so cool so I just thought that that was really neat um, what a fun coincidence that that um, Jasmine introduced me to Jocelyn and that there are sort of all of these little similarities um, so it's really special I really enjoyed chatting with her um, about some of the stuff, uh, the cool experiences she has gotten to have with her father. um, Super unique, Uh, you just could not, you couldn't make any of those things up. Um, It's really special. So I am not going to do a big thing today because I'm just sort of winging it, probably, as you can hear. But um, I hope that whatever you are doing, you're enjoying yourselves. if you have got a dad that you're in touch with, uh, send him uh, big hugs and love and, um, I don't know, sentimental, and I'm going to just make it short and sweet. Um, definitely check out links in the show notes. Uh, Jocelyn gives a couple tent recommendations, which is cool. The show notes are going to be at girlleatsbike.com forward slash joyride029. Um, follow on all the social medias at the joyride podcast or shoot me an email at the joyride podcast at gmail.com um, all right without further ado let's meet jocelyn rice jocelyn rice welcome to the joyride
0: hey thank you for having me this is pretty awesome and just very cool thank you
1: I'm so excited that you were able to make time to chat with me on sort of short notice um, where in the world are you
0: I am in Cape Canaveral Florida it's my hometown so Lived here my entire life
1: so that's probably where you learned how to ride a bike
0: yeah on the straight roads of a1a <laughs>
1: um, so tell me a little bit do you remember a lot about that experience
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I actually planned my first bike tour when I was in fifth grade. What? Yeah. So that's kind of what started, um, I guess, my father and I duo sort of team that we kind of created. He had to be the chaperone because it was with two of my boyfriends. And at the time, I guess they kind of liked me. But, you know, you don't know those things in fifth grade. So he rode along with us, and we rode fifteen miles from Sebastian Inlet to Barrow Beach during the summer so that that was my first big tour, and then after that my my dad started biking a lot more, uh, just for you know health reasons he wanted to lose some weight and yeah, we just kept cycling. I found out though later on in life that. These roads are really boring, so it's very hard to. Um, now being home for a while, just to get inspired again to go out and bike, because it's just too straight of roads.
1: I much prefer those hilly, switchbacks and different styles. Yeah, that's one of those things where I think, I think sometimes people think, oh, like, oh, this is flat and it's better, but flat means you don't have any reprieve from pedaling. You know, there's no coasting. Yeah, and it's side.
0: pretty windy, too. Usually, if it's flat, there's always the wind factor that's going to slow you down, I guess.
1: There you go. Um, yeah. So, that was in... Your first bike tour was in fifth grade. And that was yep. when your dad accompanied you on that. And what... Where did you go from there? Like, So, you've always ridden since then. Is that right?
0: Yeah, I actually... I used to ride to my high school, which is about maybe... I'd say six miles away from my house. So I I would ride in my freshman and sophomore year and like all my friends thought I was just crazy. Like that's so far, you know? (laughs) And, um, but after that, um, I went to college in North Carolina and did some biking up in Western, um, North Carolina in the Appalachian and Smoky mountains. But, um, yeah, um, I was there for my second year, and I still was undecided in what I wanted to actually uh, apply myself to and uh my father decided he wanted to, to retire from the space shuttle program and so on Christmas Day, he tells our family that he is going to be biking from Cape Canaveral, Florida to San Diego to visit to meet up with his dad and visit with, um, his sister there. And when he said that, I turned to him and said, well, I'm going with you. (laughs) And so that just, that's what started the, uh, movement of our touring adventure.
1: That's like, that's the coolest thing in the world. Um, okay. So, What do you, so how old were you then, or, and like, what do you remember from that first cross country trip?
0: Um, I was 20 years old, and I turned 21 in Brenham, Texas. Um, It took us quite a long time to actually get out of Florida. Um, And a lot of people thought we would actually never make it out of Florida because um, it took us, I think, over 15 days and uh the reason behind that was um my father's dad actually became very ill so we had to store our bikes in pensacola and um fly out to california and unfortunately we didn't make it in time he passed away about an hour before we landed in la so that kind of halted our reasoning for even cycling you know to California um, so we were there for about three weeks um, ultimately we, d- we decided we did want to like, get back on the bikes because we started to really really enjoy the time that we were spending together and just the all around feelings and emotions that we were having Like it was just out of this world experience that we had never even known about or even read it about i guess my dad um read more than me like on crazy guy on a bike and our neighbor chris uh influenced us a lot because he did a lot of bike touring when he was younger so we were like we definitely need to get back on the bikes even though you know our goal was to meet up with my grandpa um we had another goal now and and thank, thankful to my grandpa, he he told us the last, the last words that he said to us was, keep the wheels turning. And so we did. We finally made it out of Florida. After another major incident, <laughs> um, we were cycling in Navarre Beach. And my dad hit a really sandy spot. Navarre Beach is like this beautiful sand dunes kind of reminds me of Oregon, but it was so windy that my dad got thrown off of that actual bike path and went into some soft sand and fell over, and I was drafting him, and I actually ended up running into his side and breaking his uh, lower ribs. So that put us off another week. So it literally took us probably over a month and a half to get out of Florida.
1: Oh, my goodness. Fifteen
0: days. 15 days of cycling, <laughs> but a month and a half span. Oh, wow. So, but once we got out of Florida, we flew through Alabama, Louisiana, took us 15 days through Texas. That was a lot of fun because now I was 21 and legally able to drink beer with my dad, which we enjoy drinking beer together. <laughs> and um, yeah, we, we ended up making it to San Diego um, in 44 days. That's cycling time um and yeah that that was it you know that was all we thought we were going to do together there and then something else spurred up <laughs> it's pretty interesting story because we never had uh a plan of cycling around the world which we eventually did we never had this idea until i don't know until we were in new zealand one day cycling the South Island and we're like why don't we just cycle around the world we enjoy this so much we enjoy our company together of course we went you know the went through some tips together as I'm a younger woman and he's an older guy so we had our little battles every every once in a while but we really did enjoy our company and encourage each other to push push harder bike faster bike farther
1: Um, so I'm curious, and I want to hear more about your world trip for sure. Um, so, but I guess like this question's on my mind, which is that, uh, what do you think you learned about your dad during that trip or during these trips in general that you wouldn't have had an opportunity to witness or experience otherwise?
0: Um... I learned that he was so accepting of all these uh variety of challenges that we faced. You know, he accepted them and you know, went full force after them and we achieved so much together that he just became such a powerful influence for me. And that's the same with my mother. I mean, she was here the entire time i f- i feel sort of guilty you know she didn't get to experience all the biking aspects but i know she doesn't like to bike that much but you know they've always encouraged me to just go out there and do whatever inspires me or or anything like that so yeah i just i'm so thankful i had this opportunity to do this because i know I don't know if a lot of my friends would actually want to do this with their dads, though. <laughs> it's definitely interesting. I'd never met anyone else in the world that it was just a father-daughter duo. Yeah. You know, it was always families or, you know, so yeah, he just is very encouraging and he doesn't have a lot of patience. So one thing he taught me was to have patience <laughs> because he didn't have any. <laughs> so that was the team aspect.
1: So tell me a little bit about embarking on your world journey. Did you, I, I, you didn't leave right from New Zealand or did you? No. So
0: I, um, at that time, my father was working in McMurdo, Antarctica. And, um, he invited me to come down to New Zealand to cycle around the South Island. Um, so I flew with all of our gear. We just hired bikes there cause it was ultimately cheaper. Um, but then after we were on the plane back from Christchurch, uh, we started thinking you know, more and more about going around the world. Um, my father sort of plunged into the logistics part, like where would we start, how much money should we have saved up and all that. But eventually it just – we started to realize – why have a plan why why stress out ourselves and you know stick to this like itinerary so originally we were going to start in um fly from orlando to portugal and cycle from portugal into spain but then i had the brilliant idea hey let's just um go to morocco hit, hit a little bit of Africa, that little continent right there. And wow. Morocco was just mind blowing. I guess I never was like scared or anything in the beginning, you know, like I didn't even think like, Oh, I'm going to like Morocco. (laughs) I'm going to Marrakesh, you know, um, on the Marrakesh express. But, (laughs) um, yeah. So we started our, next tour. So that was, that was our third tour. We started in uh, Marrakesh, Morocco, February of 2014.
1: Yeah. Did you camp while you were on the world tour? Or is Oh yeah. Are you, so you were camping when you did your U.S. tour and also on the world tour? Uh
0: Yeah, we, we went through, let's see, we had a Um, MSR Hubba Hubba, two-person for the U.S. and New Zealand. Then we got the REI three-person dome, which worked perfectly pretty much, unless we were in high elevation, then it was kind of cold. But, um, yeah, we camped a lot. My dad, unfortunately, doesn't really like camping that much. He prefers to have, like, a, a nice warm shower and a bed you know, he's older. Um, at that time, let's say 2014, he was turning 60. Yeah. I think. And, um, so we didn't camp as much, but he, he figured out pretty quickly that if we weren't camping, then I would be kind of upset cause I really, really enjoy camping. So we kind of, um, you know, bounced off each other like that. We would camp maybe three times a week and then the rest of the time, um, stay in cheap, crappy, rundown hotels or, or hostels or um, guest house or, you know, the hosp- hospitality around the world is just, it's just extraordinary to experience, you know, everyone so friendly, so happy, so like inviting. So a lot of the times, you know, we had, most of the time, we had no idea where we were going to end up every night that's one of the things that was so exciting about our journey. We didn't we didn't like reserve places, hotel rooms. We didn't find if there was a campground down the street, you know, we just kind of went and then when we were tired, we just kind of looked around. Was there is there a nice camping spot? Is there a hotel or and sometimes, you know, a random stranger would be walking down the street and invite us into their home for the night. Um I also did uh, utilize warm showers, which I'm sure you heard of. Um, so I, we stayed in warm showers all over the world, which is such a, uh, a beneficial uh, community out there because you really get to learn more about the towns or the cities that you're in and you get to experience a culture that maybe you wouldn't, be, you, you wouldn't see quite as much, you know?
1: And I'll I'll bet because you're doing the warm showers thing, and that's like this mutual cyclist, um, you know, symbiotic thing where cyclists host each other, essentially, you probably learned a little bit about the way, the lay of the roads locally, too.
0: Oh, yes. Plenty of times we've been um, guided and influenced on different routes that we wouldn't have Taken per se, um, so yep, that's that's another great thing about that uh, community is you know they they know um, the the people that are hosting us and I, I'm still in contact with a lot of them like you know they they took us on the adventure you know and they were a part of it and they
1: always will be. It's a really cool way to look at it. I'm curious, you talked about um, the people in Europe and on the world tour being so um, kind and warm and inviting. I'm wondering uh, how you contrast or compare that to your US tours.
0: Um, I think only, <laughs> I probably only know like two times where we were actually invited into um, people's homes and they were strangers. It is very interesting how uh the US isn't as friendly in that aspect. And even now I get asked like questions like of the countries that I've been to, they're like, Oh man, I bet you, you're so glad to be home and I'm like not really. Sometimes I don't feel I feel safer in those countries than here. I feel happier over there. <laughs> you know, it's it's definitely interesting that the US has a Unique way of um, accepting who we are. And I, I mean, a lot of the times my dad and I had, wouldn't have showered in like six days. So we probably did look like a bum, smell like a bum. So, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's very interesting. But I cycled across um, the US. I did the Trans American with one of my best friends, Rachel. And well, sort of like the ACH, right? It's American. We kind of just went our own way pretty much. Um, but a lot of the times we were welcomed in. So maybe that's a different thing with, um, because I had my dad there that they, they weren't as comfortable or I don't, I don't know. It's a very interesting
1: topic, I guess. Yeah. I guess it's curious between, cause, cause that's a different route. Like the Trans Am route is further North. Than, yes. than like that then the southern tier, right, like those are the two different routes, so it's interesting between the gender dynamic and also regionally where you were. I yeah. wonder how that changes yes, interesting right. um what were some of your uh describe like some favorite stretches of road that you've that you've been on on these tours like what what pops to mind? I know it's a lot, I know. 28,000 miles and five continents, that's a lot of pavement. But, um, you know, what stands out when I ask you that question?
0: Uh, I think one of my favorite, uh, I guess, roads cycling in a desert, per se, was the Atacama Desert in Chile, northern Chile. Um, that that desert is just like pretty much another planet. And so the entire time I just felt like I was just floating most of the time. And, um, even though it was that one, the one road, um, and you know, everyone's traveling on that road, mostly truck drivers. We just had an amazing time, you know, and, um, we had to pack enough food for at least seven days um, so, I mean, we were carrying – it was pretty heavy. I think we were carrying about 100 pounds of equipment each. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we were – we'd be cycling all day in the desert, and it would be pretty warm. And then at night, it just, like, dropped, like, 40 degrees. So that that was just so much fun. And, you know, it was just us at night and the stars. i have never seen, like, the southern hemisphere, the stars like that. It was just – Yeah. So beautiful. Another, another time I would say, um, we were cycling out of Montenegro into Serbia and it was early May and we ran into snow up up in this mountain pass. And that was our first time cycling in snow together. So that was, that was an adventure in itself. And, um, this one day we were we were cycling cycling along and you know this huge just snow is just falling beautifully and we stopped for a little break um, to probably put on some more layers of clothing um, and these three beautiful German Shepherd puppies come out of nowhere and so we ended up like giving them all of our last like tuna cans of food, all of our food cookies and. Oh, man, it, the times that I've seen, like, stray dogs and stray cats and and lizards and, you know, just that was, was a beautiful aspect in our tour. We, we really bonded over that, just feeding all the animals that we could that, you know, there was no one around in
1: sight, you know, so. So, speaking of food... I, I have so much curiosity around bike snacks and around, like, what people find to eat while they are touring far-off places. Um, so two different questions. You can go whatever order you want. But um, okay. what what were some of your favorite or most interesting meals, um, cultural meals or whatever, on your world tour? And then also curious about, like, what do you really love to eat or snack on when you're on the bike or, you know, if you had your way when you got off of, uh, from a long ride.
0: Okay. Um, let's see. Probably one of my favorite dishes was in Thailand. I love the, um, green papaya salad. that was amazing. And then I would always order it like extra spicy and the ladies, the old ladies would be like, are you sure extra spicy? And I'm like, yeah lay it on me i'd be leaving there crying with my mouth like all burnt and red and like but i was leaving happy my smile was like so so large and they were smiling and giggling the entire time while i was like crying my eyes out but gosh those i think every day i at least had a green papaya salad and then we each bought a papaya each just for a refreshment um and then another, let's see. In Mexico, my favorite dish was camarones a la diabla. Ooh, yeah. Also so spicy. I I, yeah, <laughs> I like spicy food. I guess. Um, yeah, I would get that almost every day too. <laughs> um, but let's see. Traveling on a bike, I loved. Um, I loved having pocket tortillas. So, like through. Um, Mexico, Central America I would just take all the extra tortillas on people's um, tables and put it in my pocket and then while I was riding I would just have my pocket tortilla and it was just perfect so yeah just a plain pocket tortilla And sometimes it would be in my pocket for days and I'd forget about it but it's still really good (laughs) so funny
1: (laughs) oh they're different when they're like fresh made too I mean, that's the thing I think of mm-hmm. when I think of tortillas, I think of like store bought stuff, but, um, yeah, it's like a whole different world. If someone's actually making them fresh by hand.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So I think I'm curious about, um, uh, how safe you have felt like, and I'm thinking about this and contrasting your tour with your dad, with your, with the other tour with Rachel. So like, What do you think about that in terms of, how did you feel personal safety-wise, traffic safety? Um, Tell me a little bit about those experiences. Um,
0: I mainly felt safe most of my tours. I have been on two solo tours, but those were short. They were uh, 500 miles. So a few times I had a few occasions where I would notice a car would be stalking me for miles or something like that. But with my dad, I, I guess that was beneficial to have a big six-four, two 200 pound man that has a really big beard, um, cycling behind me. <laughs> um, I didn't feel safe a lot of the time because my dad isn't really like, um, he's, sometimes just isn't aware of his surroundings a lot of the time so he would be motioning to turn and almost run into a car so a lot of the times we would get in little fits about that because i was worried about him being hit and he was actually hit probably five times on on um all of our five tours at think yeah not like anything like really bad but he's been thrown off his bike those five times um so that safety factor always an issue for me because that was one of my my my, um one of the things I was supposed to do I was supposed to take care of my dad you know around the world I promised I promised my mom I'd bring him back (laughs) you know so um that was always in the back of my head. Like, where is he? You know? So when we started touring together, man, I would be cycling like three miles ahead of him. And then, and I'd realize, Oh, I took the wrong road. And so I'd have to turn around and try to find him. But after, after I started to get a little bit um, wiser and realized I should stick behind him or just slow down and, enjoy and smell the flowers and um, just keep an eye on him so that um that safety was always in the back of my head I just keep keep my dad safe keep the wheels turning
1: (laughs) keep the wheels turning forever forward yeah yes I'm, I'm curious when you hired bikes in New Zealand um instead of taking your own how did you find the fit on that like compared to your own bikes? Because you'd already done your U.S. tour with him at that point.
0: Yes. And my dad actually rode like a Walmart busted up Rusty Raleigh, I think. And But I rode my Surly LHT um, on the Southern Tier. And then we had Cannondales in New Zealand. So those – and they, they were – they fitted – Perfectly. We brought our Brooks saddles with us. You know, we brought, um, I don't, I don't think I brought my handlebars, but, um, we brought all of our gear other than the bikes and, um, the company, I do not, I can't recall the name at this time, but yeah, they were great.
1: I guess that's probably an advantage uh, is, is that you probably get something that's nicer and newer and they take some time to fit it to you in that moment.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It did. Um, yeah, it took us about a, three days to get it, the proper bikes that we wanted and everything like that. But um, it worked out. Uh, I did miss my Surly, <laughs> that's for sure. Actually, um, my Surly ended up breaking somewhere in Europe and um, had to get it replaced in Istanbul. Uh, but luckily, I got it replaced with. Uh, frame that was just right there, right there in the bike shop, hanging on the wall. It fit me perfectly, and it was it was my original frame that I wanted before the Surly. And I have them both. I ended up uh, shipping my Surly frame back and um, getting it fixed, and I turned it into a fixed gear. So that's my dangerous bike now. <laughs> that's my beach cruiser.
1: <laughs> so how much? I know you said that you're a little a little bored because, uh, you've seen a lot of stuff. And so it's maybe a little boring to be back at home like that. But where, how much does cycling fit into your life these days right now?
0: Um, right now I'm working for a rather new company. Uh, so I work for a pedicab, pedicab company here in, uh, Port Canaveral, Cocoa beach. And they also work out of Melbourne um, it's called Toto Pedicab. And so that's fun. So I get to do that at least three three times a week. And um, other than that, I, I I haven't found the time to get back riding long distance yet. And I know I think I need that because cycling makes me happy. I'm happy right now, but I think I need to bike somewhere at least do like a little micro adventure
1: you're getting the itch
0: yeah yeah i just gotta find the time i just i just work a lot and i'm currently working on our next book so oh that's that's feeding a lot of my time but it's all good it's all good eventually i'll get back on my santos (laughs) i ride my surly all around
1: um are there are there places that you could do like an overnight just like a just a out and back or or does that seem like too easy and not you've done such epic things that it's like an overnight
0: No I've already got my micro adventure planned. It's going to be to it's going to be from here Cape Canaveral to Playa Linda uh which is this like really beautiful natural beach. They don't allow camping, but I've told a few uh, of uh, our warm showers guests that you can just go in like just before they close the gates around seven and just stay there. (laughs) You can find a nice little stealth camping spot right on the beach. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, it's probably in total, it'll be about like a hundred mile
1: ride, round trip. Cool. That, That sounds pretty cool.
0: Yep, I gotta do that. I gotta do that like next week, I guess.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that's it. I'm just I, I got the itch. That's it. Yep. I hear you. Um, so you have a book out and I will put a link in the show notes for sure, but you have a book that's like sort of chronicling some stuff with your dad, your adventures with your dad. Tell me a little bit about that.
0: Yes, it's uh it's our first two tours, the Southern Tier and the South Island of New Zealand. It is basically a journal entry um, style book. And it is a lot of uh, my dad's point of view. Um, we, we still sell books um, to this day. So we're pretty surprised about that. <laughs> um, but this next upcoming book, it's going to be more of like um, just like specific things that we wanted to talk about 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 each country since we've cycled across 37 countries um so if we did a journal entry like style it would be like a really long book for me it kind of sounds boring <laughs> you know because I lived it I, I guess it seems boring to me um but yeah we're we're excited to get that out my dad's already working he's like on his seventh draft um so now I just got a put my little quirkiness and sarcasm in it, and we should be publishing uh, maybe early next
1: year. That's awesome yeah uh so when was the last time you were you did a tour like when when was the when did you get off the bike last?
0: uh we arrived home December third.
1: Of six, 2016 oh goodness so it's been like six yes. months of oh good okay that helps me yeah. understand a little bit more of your like where you're at with that <laughs> yeah
0: but I mean that segment that was our I say like our fourth tour of around the world um, that was over I would say over uh, let's see hold on I got this marked here I think I was gonna say like 17 months total because we cycled from Blaine Washington all the way down to Puerto Montt, Chile and then we flew from Santiago to Calgary and cycled from Calgary to Yarmouth Nova Scotia and then we cycled down the eastern coast to home and that was that was our longest segment I would say
1: Jocelyn, what's your favorite thing about riding a bike?
0: Oh man. I'd say the freedom, just uh the excitement and the random encounters that you find with people, things and trees and bugs <laughs> and ants or snakes, you know. Everything. It's just, you know, it's it's very it's very unique and just feeling the wind, you know, through your hair, which I know I should be wearing a helmet, but sometimes I don't. Um, uh, it's just everything. It's everything, but nothing at the same time. the simplicity. I enjoy that.
1: So, what do you think is is one piece of advice you would give to a woman okay. who is um, thinking about starting a tour of some kind?
0: Just don't overplan. You know, um, take each day by that. Take each hour, you know, and um, feel it all, experience it all. You know, I think that's the the part of the adventure that I enjoy, at least. Um, it's just you know, take in those random encounters and go with it, see what happens.
1: So I'm going to ask you one more question. And this is, it's kind of, it's sort of loaded because we introduced this, that you have done a lot of touring with your dad. Um, Uh But I'm going to say that you cannot give him as an answer, which is if there's anyone in the world that you could go on a bike ride with, and that's anyone living or not living, um, who would you go with and where would you go? Uh
0: Well, I know my friends that I just stayed with in London, Jude and Astrid, are thinking of a tour around Africa. I would totally go with them because they're awesome and, and it would be a lot of fun. Um, anyone, any of the cyclists that I've actually met on the road that were touring, I would love to tour with them too. Um, Susie Penny, who's in um, just outside of Brighton, england i would love to go on a tour with her and her husband um yeah i i think anyone really who likes enjoys going out and biking and just doing cool shit (laughs) drinking beer and you know cooking something awesome on the stove i would love to to hang out
1: in it for the vibe
0: Yeah, I definitely am always, you know, a minute for the experiences and the people that I meet and the inspiration. That's
1: what it's about. That's so beautiful. Um, I think your, you know, your story with your dad is super inspiring. Um, I I think that's just so cool. Um, Do you have any anything that you wish someone had told you about about cycling when you were just getting started or is anything that you, um, wish that you had known before any of these tours?
0: Um, not really because like that was a part of our adventures, not knowing a lot, you know, um, that's what made it fun and interesting for us every day the language barriers the the food issues we and you know the traveling in all the various countries that we were in you know we we did get sick and we we had our problems and issues but you know we pushed through and enjoyed every moment I don't yeah I, I liked not knowing I just like that and found out a lot about the world and that's that's what I feel like was one of the best parts and I got to do it with my dad so how awesome is that like he gives me so much credit for leading him around the world so
1: You probably kept him pretty safe that whole time <laughs> it sounds like he yeah. really needed you as much as you needed him you know
0: yeah definitely definitely he you know he always likes to say that I was logistics and navigation and my dad he 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 wore the purse <laughs> <laughs> so
1: yeah <laughs> oh, man. oh man we had such a good time yeah that sounds awesome any other any other thing uh i want to i just like kind of want to keep asking you weird exploratory questions even though i told you i asked you my last question um
0: that's okay i like answering and talking and communicating through questions sometimes i feel Like I, sometimes I can't just come out with
1: stories and things like that. Well, I mean, you've done so much though. It's hard to like, I, you know, I talked to Jasmine Reese, who is the, who recommended, um, you know, that we connect. And I asked her like such loaded questions. Like, how could you even answer that? There's so much stuff that you've seen, you know, on these tours. Like, what's the first thing, you know, what's the first thing you think of is, is not always the, the easiest thing, but I'm wondering a little bit about, um, you know, if there's any moments that you want to share with us and with listeners that, that you had with your dad where it just really, like, surprised you or you, you two laughed a lot or anything like that.
0: Oh, gosh, plenty of times. I think um, there was this one time we decided to take a break day in New Zealand. And on our break day, we decided to go ice climbing for 12 hours on Fox
1: Glacier. Like you do when you're on a break, when you're on a rest
0: yeah, day. Yeah, <laughs> on our break day. So, like, we had never climbed ice climbed before or even rock climbed really. I've rock climbed a little bit, but not, yeah, not ice climbed. <laughs> you know. And so here we are with just their, their, our instructor, and it's just the two of us on this glacier. We literally, I think we went through all the emotions. We cried. We were hysterically laughing because we're like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. And this is our break day. Shouldn't we just be, like, chilling in some thermal pools and, like, hanging out and drinking some beer? And No. We were like, let's do this crazy adventure. And it, I think we laughed. Once we finally got back and we were, like, bloody sore we just laughed hysterically for, I don't even know how long, but over at least three beers, we were laughing and laughing. We we're like, wow, you know, that was fun. And so that kind of spurred the, the even more other adventures. Another time on our break day, we decided to um, hike up this mountain on uh, Island Ometepe in the middle of the Lake Nicaragua. And that took over 14 hours to hike up <laughs> so that was our break day like that just it seemed to those little funny occurrences that were like oh it's a break day but uh what should we do we should definitely be doing something right can't just sit around
1: <laughs> did you find that after after using your body in such a different way from cycling that you were really uncomfortable the next day or, or anything like that those are like really um, different sets of muscles and like,
0: yeah, I know. Like I would be, <laughs> definitely after ice climbing, I think I was sore for like a week cause I hadn't used my arms like that before. Right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but uh, when we were cycling all through Europe and Asia, um, my dad would laugh at me all the time about this because I would ride ahead or ride up the hill or up the mountain and wait for him. And while I was waiting, I would just do push-ups because I realized I wasn't, I had uh, my entire life I'd been weight training and things like that. So, you know, I was losing all this muscle in my arms. So I'd be like doing push-ups and he would, he would finally make it up. So I think at one point I did about 50 push-ups while waiting for him. And um, every time that he would see me, he would be like, what? You're, you got to wait for the old man and do (laughs) push-ups. So, yeah, just those random random moments like that um i guess i would be trying to impress him with my extra strength i don't know
1: <laughs> what a gift Dude, that's so awesome do you have, thank you do you uh <laughs> do you have plans this weekend with him you doing stuff
0: um actually my dad is uh working in the south pole for the winter so oh my goodness yeah i haven't seen him since february
1: so that is a no.
0: <laughs> yeah. No.
1: <laughs> oh, man. I barely
0: get to talk to him, too. So maybe I'll try to try to get in contact with him Sunday.
1: So tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jocelyn, I really do appreciate that you were able to carve out some time to chat with me. Um, I know it was it was short notice, but um, it was really a blast. And I loved hearing about your adventures with your dad.
0: yeah thank you it was awesome to get to chat with you and semi meet you over the skype world
1: yeah right on (laughs) cool thanks a lot we'll talk to you soon all right see ya again big thanks to jocelyn for hanging out with us she definitely came through i i I got in touch with her very last minute and she was super accommodating so um i cannot wait to hear about her micro adventure and i guess re-entry must be hard after you've been world touring and then you gotta like you know go and just be stationary for a minute that must be that must be a challenge for folks who are coming back from from big tours. Um, yeah. I don't know. I guess I might have to do something to find out about that. Thanks in advance for ratings and reviews. Uh, they do help other women to find the show. Of course, nothing is better than a personal recommendation. So please just share the show with um, any woman who you think might need a little bike love inspiration. As always, friends... I appreciate your time and your attention. Remember, life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Keep moving forward, and until next time, I hope you enjoy the ride.